From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for June 30th, 2010 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Majak, Kevin Close, Corey Martin, and the return of the beautiful Mrs. Julie Martin. Yay! Yay. Son's children. Um, <laughs> in the peanut gallery, Teresa Eccles, Kathy Whirling, Walter Eccles, uh, Kevin's uh, cousin-nephew, uh, Nicholas. His name is Nicholas D. Michelle. And... Uh, joining us from uh, the heartland, Will Perry. Yay. Hey. Wait, seen. I forgot. You don't Yay. trump me, okay? Forget that. Well, I, thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought Pete was going to say the beautiful Will Perry. <laughs> the beautiful Mrs. Will Perry. <laughs> Son's children. <laughs> and uh, Max, the intern, is actually doing a food run. A gro- actually, a grocery run because we haven't been picking up more than food. Um, so, welcome to the show this week and this week's show. Uh, Dave's senior correspondent, Dave Parfit, sits down with Tony Baxter, who is the Senior Vice President of Creative Development for Walt Disney Imagineering. And uh, they have a one-on-one discussion about his career with Disney and some of the work he's doing. We're also going to talk about Disney's summer nighttastic schedule and what you need to know about it. And I will have a much-revised version of the deleted rant from last week. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid-fire on this edition what did you say that was so different from what you usually say it it was when I listened back to it when I listened back to the rant I have to be honest I was mortified I was like oh my god I came completely unhinged I think I'm just used to you Um, (laughs) because it didn't sound that bad oh no no listening back to it no look I've listened back to my rants before obviously I do them on the show all the time I listen back to them all the time so Um, this I just felt I, I, there were points where, you know, it sounded like I was having some kind of breakdown, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my Bad god! As hell, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, it was door. very Howard Beale. Was it really? Very, very. You Howard could hear Beale. the spittle hitting the screen. <laughs> Go to your windows. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're the only ones who know what that. That's means. okay. No, I think there's plenty of people in the audience. I mean, I mean, in this room. Oh okay. no. <laughs> okay, who's Howard Beale? We don't know. Did you ever see the movie Network? No. One of the great okay, Patty Chayefsky, great <laughs> Patty Chayefsky movie Network. Howard Beale was the mad prophet of the airwaves. You got to go. You really go rent it. Fade on away. Uh, William Holden. I'll uh, do. I'll rent it tonight. <laughs> Try to write that down. No, seriously, seri- seriously, it is a great movie. It is a classic is a movie. American movie. You've got to. Go, you've got to watch Network. But anyway, I definitely had a Howard Beale moment on the show the last week. That's why I decided to pull it. It's the first time I think I've ever pulled. One of my rants, but when, it was a long one too. It was a long one. It was a forty-minute long rant. <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah, you guys don't realize that went on for forty minutes. Oh no, we realize. We realize. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm getting surprised looks here. Yeah, so. it went so fast. Um, Did you ever see that speaker ad where it's like blowing your hair back? Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I just, tried, I just tried not to make eye contact with him. <laughs> now that I've composed myself. Don't poke him with a stick. <laughs> yeah, really. So a um, couple things in housekeeping. I uh, just want to remind everyone that our Adventures by Disney trip on July 25th is uh, a go. Uh, we've gotten, you know, we're getting people still signing up. So we do have some space left. It is beginning to get a little tight. We are 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say we're up to 21. So we've got potentially nine more slots, and uh, information can be found on the show notes page, podcast.wwinfo.com. There still are some people circling out there who um, have their little credit cards in their hand and really, they're itchy. Price ain't going to change. So if you're, if you're thinking about it, come do it. Will there be a cutoff when we can't book anymore, Kevin? Um, it's going to be... It's getting tight because we have things to mail back and forth, but I don't want that to stop anybody because there are ways around that. Okay. okay. Anything else for housekeeping? Yes. Would you say something? Just say anything you'd like to say. My name is John. Don't confuse me with Kevin. My name is Kevin. Don't confuse me with John. There you go. That's another conversation okay. on the boards. Are we, having, are we having a moment? Do you think you guys sound a lot? I love they that. have trouble Good. telling us apart. Really? I was reading that right before I got here. I don't. John is well, you can see us. Like a mafia guy, you know? <laughs> well, I remember early on. Okay, <laughs> stop while you're ahead, okay? Because I don't want you to describe me. My favorite thing is when Kevin gets on the phone and everyone calls him ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am, we'll get that for you. Oh, well, that happened. Time. And I keep saying to people, wait till you see me. That happened to Max. That happened to Max a couple of times going to Europe. Um, we were on the flight. We were on the flight from JFK to Barcelona. And, you know, he's got long hair. And the stewardess, or the flight attendant, excuse me, came up from behind and said, uh, uh, would you would you care for something to drink, ma'am? And then he turns around and she quickly says, sir. <laughs> so for the rest of the trip, he was ma'am, sir. <laughs> I was at the Apple store the other day at the Genius Bar, and I kept referring to it as the John Bar. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. We actually got to meet the creator. Oh, wait, I'm stepping on my rapid fire. We got to meet the creator of the Genius Tag this weekend. Well, I had an interesting experience. I just I'll throw this in real quick in, uh, uh, in for for housekeeping. Uh, I had an interesting experience. My iPhone four. We got my we got some iPhone fours last week, and uh, mine and Corey's were defective. Walter's was the only one that worked perfect out of the box. Um, and I had gone into the Apple Store on Sunday to get it fixed, and uh, I had an appointment for ten minutes to three on Sunday. I was there 10 minutes early. I saw my name, number one on the list. The guy finishes up with who he's helping, and then he calls the person after me on the list. I look up at the board. My name is gone. And I question it. And they said, well, we called you, and you didn't answer. I said, no, you didn't. I've been standing here for the last 10 minutes. Um, so there was, like, you know, genius drama. Because they, <laughs> they had to have, like, a committee meeting. So this guy helps me out. Says, uh, you know, the problem is my SIM card. I've got to go have a, get a new SIM card. I was questioning that because it seemed like it was a defective phone. But, okay, you're telling me it's a SIM card. I go to AT&T. I get a new SIM card. Same problem. I go back to the Genius Bar or to the Apple Store. And I find the guy who had helped me. And I said to him, look, I can't be without this phone. This phone simply doesn't work. It's defective. And they were slammed. I mean, they just, there were people with all sorts of problems, phones, computers, you name it. Mm. And they were slammed. So he's like, um, he goes, we're, we're going to get you on a standby appointment. Um, we will get this taken care of for you if you can just be patient. And I started talking to the guy. And it turns out that this guy has a website called discoverepcot.com. And uh, I said, oh, have you, <laughs> have you ever been to the Disports? And he goes, yeah, they banned me. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, well, I, I, I registered and I, I posted 
um, a bunch of links to my site, and yeah. they, you know, they banned me. I said, okay, well, yeah, that's kind of like we we don't we kind of frown on that. <laughs> but we got to talking, and, and his name's Andy, and uh, really, really cool guy, really cool guy. We had a, I had honestly this Walter and I had this great conversation with this guy, a really passionate loves Epcot. Epcot is his thing. He loves, loves, love Ep- loves Epcot. And uh, he's just getting off the ground with his site. It's a new project for him. He's kind of learning uh, web development and design, and, and he's been doing a lot with videos. He's actually got some cool videos on his YouTube channel. Um, we'll post links to his site and his YouTube channel on the, on the show notes page. And I, 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 gave him, I told him he's got an, an open invitation to come uh, any Tuesday we're recording and, and join us. And bring show. Apple products. And yeah, and bring free Apple products <laughs> uh, with you. Um, but no, really cool guy. Really cool guy. I just thought that was a, a funny little... Yeah, that sounds like Christmas. <laughs> how do you, you know, what, what, what are the odds I'm going to go into the, the Apple store and meet the webmaster of another site that we bans? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool. And I unbanned him. I'm sorry, but didn't It's a Small World play in your head? No. When well, you run into someone like that, because you know you have people out there who post on the boards, listen to the show, and obviously we've met a lot of these people, but to be in, you, you know, your Apple store where you go all the time to the Genius Bar and he's, you know, I know. this guy. It's, it's, it, but it, it, it is a small world, but at the same time, it really just speaks to the pervasiveness of the boards. Mm-hmm. I mean, God almighty, they're just, they're everywhere. We run into people all the time, you know, say disboards. Oh, I know disboards. So it's cool. So, hi, jump. Andy. I'm going to jump on the back of that, and I'm going to do my rapid fire, even though you didn't start it yet. Okay. I still have housekeeping, though. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to say that you talked about it being a small world. We had a meet on Saturday at the Poly, upstairs at the Poly, right in front of Ohana. And we had about 45 people there. It felt like the surface of the sun. It, it was so it hot. It was so hot in the, the sauna. <laughs> but I wanted to thank everyone for coming. We had some pretty far-flung people. We've had people from Scotland and Israel and the UK. And I'm sorry I couldn't make it. My I had car drama. I told them all that. I told them all the story about you sitting in McDonald's when I talked to you. Oh, it was horrifying. Uh, but I really <laughs> want to thank Katie. Oh, no, it was. Wish Spirit. This was all Katie's idea. She organized it. She kept track of it. She kept people interested. So I really have to give her all the credit for it. But we got to meet some great people, some people that we've been talking to on the boards for quite some time. I got to meet Reed, who is Cyrano on the boards, one Mm -hmm. of our moderators. I talked to Reed for quite a while, and I couldn't tell you where he said he's from Scotland. He's incredibly nice, though. He but is I'm like trying nice. to read his lips. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a daughter named Mad Megan. <laughs> and um, we got to meet uh, Beth from Israel and Katie from England. And um, 15 is to 20, I forget his name, Jeremy, I think. He flew in at the last minute and was rushing to get there and was not feeling well, but he came anyway. So we had a great time. So I just wanted to say we had a good time. So if you ever get a chance to come to one of these, please come. Okay. Teresa, you have a housekeeping? I do. We got a, received a package from Jim and Linda McCormick from Lexington, Kentucky. What did they send us? Um, they sent, And why don't I have it? Well, it's over here. Candy, sugar-free candy. Yay. And then a box of bourbon balls and a little whirly gig. From the aviation bourbon museum. balls. What the heck are bourbon balls? Oh, balls Lord. of bourbon. <laughs> is it like little? It's like it's a chocolate stuff filled with liquor. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Please send that to the alcoholic diabetic. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's a bourbon balls. <laughs> I just want you to know that while Jim and Linda are from Lexington, Nicholas flew out of Lexington Airport this morning. He's from a little town outside of. Lexington. So they must know each other. I'm sure because all people in There's Lexington all know each other. <laughs> no. 
I guess the, the sugar-free ones are yours, too. There you go. Anyway, they just want to thank thank you all for the wonderful time they had on the Adventures by Disney tour trip that you all did in California. Cool. We gave away a podcast That's cruise. Linda won, didn't And you? Linda was our winner oh. at the ABD trip. Cool. She sat in the right seat. Cool. I'll be able to thank you for the sugar-infused alcohol um, <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> cruise. Whirly gigs for everybody. And, well, oh, everybody yeah. that wasn't on the podcast. On the ABD trip. Yes. On the ABD trip. Okay. Anything else for housekeeping? Nicholas, don't get the Thank you for that, Teresa. Ceiling fan. Anything? Uh, oh, also, if if there's a, a, a constant buzz on the show, by the way, this week, folks, um, because of the heat and the number of people we have in this room, Will is blowing on us. Um, yeah, Will is actually yeah, Will's fanning us. Uh, we have to have the ceiling fan on over the table, and it does add this low hum uh, to the show. I apologize for it. We don't normally have it on, but. Uh, it is pretty brutal. It sounds like uh, we're all meditating. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else for housekeeping? Going once, going twice, and oh, we're being attacked by ah. your cousin nephew, uh, John, with the news. Uh, first news story is Disney unveils first of its kind outdoor audio descriptive technology for guests with disabilities. That is a long title. That is a long title, and it's not even a good acronym. <laughs> yeah, they don't have really even a name for it yet. Uh, beginning June 27th, guests with visual disabilities will be able to explore Walt Disney World theme parks in a whole new way through an enhanced Disney design device that provides detailed audio descriptions of outdoor areas and fits in the palm of a guest's hand. That's cool. Using an interactive audio menu, the newly enhanced assisted assistive technology device lets guests choose the type of information they would like to receive about outdoor areas architectural elements uh, and location to the nearest restroom. The 7.2 ounce device which utilizes wireless technology to pinpoint its location and take pre-programmed actions also offers guests at Walt Disney World and uh, Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort detailed audio descriptions of key visual elements including action and scenery for more than 50 attractions Amplified audio for most theater-type attractions for guests with mild to moderate hearing loss. Handheld captioning that enables guests to read captions while enjoying specific rides. And activation of closed captioning in pre-show areas where television displays narrate the upcoming experience. Disney has patented and licensed the assisted technology which could serve a wide variety of retail, commercial, and industrial applications. Um, the technology is already being used at the World of Coca-Cola Museum, the Hall at Patriot Place, and the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Um, the handheld assistive device is offered at no cost with a refundable deposit at Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort theme parks. An audio description of outdoor areas will be available at Disneyland Resort next year. Now, I, I've said it before that uh, there is one area I think that Disney really is almost impervious to criticism, and that is their accessibility and the way they design their attractions, their parks, their services around people with special needs. And something like this is a great example. This they they don't have to do this, really and truly. They don't have to do this. It makes the experience so much better for I mean if they were just going on the numbers 
number of people coming into the parks that have visual disabilities in comparison to the overall commute, uh, overall population, very small. But they want, you know, this, this, when they do stuff like this, it, I, I really, you got to give them, you got to give them props. This covers a wide variety because if you're visually impaired, it's also, um, if you're, um, Hearing impaired. hearing impaired, it's going to offer closed captioning. I have to tell you something, and I'm certain that he wouldn't mind me talking about him. Um, Skip Potter is one of our listeners who um, has some difficulties and says that Disney World is the place where he only, that's one of the only places in the world where he feels free. Right. Uh, Skip got to come and visit us last year on his own with some assistance from Amtrak. They were accessible. And because of the transportation that and Disney offers... And he wrote a offers, great blog about that experience. Right. And because of the transportation that Disney offers and the accessibility of all of the parks, Skip visited on his own. And I, it's an amazing thing. He's an amazing guy. His mother was, you know, <laughs> nervous as could be. I'm sure she the was. The entire time, but... <laughs> but I just wanted to let you know that that's, um, that's a pretty high compliment. Yeah. That somebody who needs all that assistance can do it on their own. It's one thing to have ramps mm-hmm. and places where people can go like that, but to, to do this, go out of their way to offer audio descriptions of architecture. Well, I mean, what you have to do, fantastic. what you have to do, is what the Americans with Disabilities Act says you have to do. Right. That's what you have have to do. Anything above and beyond that can be measured by the interest of the company to actually provide something real and meaningful. And, you know, Disney goes way above and beyond the ADA. Putting a sign person, a uh, person to sign Candlelight Processional, mm-hmm. uh, describing the architecture and the action scenes that you can't see, yeah. that's, uh, that's it's incredible. Agreed. Now, do you think this is a precursor to something else? Do you think maybe now they'll have uh, self-guided tours eventually through Disney? Who knows? You don't have to pay a tour guide anymore and you have someone give someone a little advice? No, they'll always be a charge. No, no, you won't have to pay the tour guide. Disney won't have to pay oh, them. Oh, yeah, we'll still have to pay Disney, though. Right. Yeah, It'll be a charge for the tour. I was going to say, you silly man. <laughs> We're going to make the tours free. Here's advice. No, no that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Well, they do In this lifetime or any other. They do it for Kim Possible. Yeah, but that's more frustrating than anything. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Speaking from experience. <laughs> no, well, yeah, well, they do, I mean, Kim Possible is one thing, but... Uh, replacing a backstage magic or a backstage tour, or a, a you know. Yeah, but a, I think I think this has something that could be, you know, outside of that box and make it like a museum. That's exactly what I was thinking. Tour. Yeah, that's a good idea actually, and and then people Thank using it to their own, not necessarily for a tour, but just for information purposes. People that don't know. Did you ever take one of those museum tours? Beep, and you feel like okay, move along. And then they go on and on about the painting you've lost well, interest see, in. I like the ones where you don't have to have a guide, where you can just go with your little earpiece thingy on your own. <laughs> Kudos to Disney. Good for them. Do you have something we can criticize? No. Why? Well, you might be able to criticize this. Um, our second story is Disney unveils unique residential resort community. Golden Oak, a one-of-a-kind luxury residential resort, was recently unveiled at Walt Disney World. Designed for resort living, Golden Oak will offer a limited collection of... Designed for resort living, read millionaires. ...will offer a limited collection of single-family custom homes. The 980-acre development proposed by the company last week will consist of 450 homes priced between $1.5 million 
and $8 million. Like I said, millionaires. Location, location. The first 30 homes of Disney's new luxury development will be constructed by the end of next year and will go on sale later this year. Interested buyers must put down $25,000 to be placed on the reservation list. Special Walt Disney World privileges have been created expressly for families at who live at Golden Oak. <coughs> Private VIP transportation. Uh, so what is this, like another celebration? It's, no. it's similar. I mean, if, uh, uh, in addition, we have a private VIP transportation, a suite of in-park benefits, access to select special event tickets, and community-hosted activities. You also have a Golden Oak concierge who can make arrangements such as move-in services, travel and private transportation, Disney Park and special event tickets, golf tea times, dinner reservations, at-home dinner parties, holiday home decorating, grocery shopping and errands, and uh, pre-arrival and post-departure home maintenance services. Okay, this sounds like those people in Wally in the in the chairs. Really yeah. Um, there's going to be a proposed clubhouse that's going to have fine dining, and well, there's also going to be a Four Seasons Resort on the property, a 445-room hotel planned to be located at Golden Oak. Residents will have access to select amenities, uh, including the 18-hole golf course designed by Tom Fazio, uh, restaurants, private events, and a okay. tranquil spa. Somebody just correct me. Um, isn't real estate in Flor- in Central Florida, in particular, like in the freaking toilet right now? Yeah, but I think I think this this is targeting um, you know a class of people that none of us right. here or the majority of our listeners can't even relate to. This We're talking a, about this is kind of recession recession proof yeah. niche that you know is never going to have to worry about it. They, they, re- they request twenty five thousand dollars now, and these people are probably just going to say, "Here, here's the full cost of the house. I want you it. know, I want it." It's, we're talking about Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. We're talking Gates. big, big money. Right. Okay, yeah, Steven Spielberg is not going to buy a house at Disney World. We, when we saw this on the news, no lie, Grace said, I bet Uncle Pete will buy one. He'll be one of the first ones. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. With all the, so hard. All the consumers from the show who send you money. It's my understanding yeah. that um, Bill Gates has already put a deposit down. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. If Gates? I could afford it. I would do it. I don't, he hates I mean, decorating his own house. I don't know that. I don't know that I would. I don't I know that I would. Really uh, uh, I don't know. Have I you been to the website? Um, Talk about living in the bubble. Do they have pictures? I mean, their houses like yes. they're way far away from each they're other. They're very far away from each huge other. They're huge. They're if you go into Celebration, there is the um, the estate homes. They're on that level of size. They're but I thought they only they're, they're not over an acre lot though. Well, they're big for Florida. They're not yeah, going to be a culturally diverse group. No, it's yeah. not. And um, I don't, if you could check out the website where it's located, I think it's over by, it's behind Bay Lake, over by where the... Um, it's in, it adjoins um, Fort Wilderness. Fort Wilderness. So, I mean, you're talking about an incredible location. Yeah. I can't help the name Golden Oak. That was the name of my high school yearbook. So that's all I can it also about every like, time I hear Golden Oak. It sounds like a retirement home. Well, do you know, Golden Oak, <laughs> like Shady Pines. Shady Pines. Uh-huh. <laughs> Golden Oak was Walt's ranch, right? Remember that? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you would know at least. They're, they're going to have communities like Kimball Estates and things like that. It's all going to be Disney-themed. You don't care? I, oh, no, I, I can't even. They're not even going to let me pass the gatehouse. <laughs> 
do you really think they're going to be able to stop us? We've been. In I think places. we're going to have to be quite tricky, but yeah. There's a place where we've gotten in where we... Uh, it could be John Goodman. I'm getting in. <laughs> Have you seen John Goodman? He lost a lot of weight. He lost a lot of weight. You, you know, there are a lot of people um, in response to this announcement saying, you know, why doesn't Disney build build um, value homes that we all can afford? But, I mean, really, do we do we really want to see cookie-cutter homes on Disney property? Yeah. Or do you yeah. celebration for that. Yeah. And so, and well, no, those aren't cookie-cutter homes either. I mean... Well, well, I mean, there's eight designs or something like that. Yeah, but. I mean, you can get a and they're condo not, over they're there. Not, they're not cheap. They're not value homes. No. But you can get a condo for a hundred thousand now over there at an auction. I've seen them listed for a hundred, hundred twenty-five. Then why don't we have one? <laughs> Do you really want to live in a condo in celebration? A one-bedroom, one bath, another culturally diverse area. Yeah, really. <laughs> Our third news story is luxury resort for pets opens bookings at Walt Disney World. The latest luxury resort opening at Walt Disney World in Florida has fancy suites, a water park, but it's not for humans. Pet lovers visiting Disney World can board their furry friends at Best Friends Pet Care Resort beginning August 27th. Best Friends has more than 500,000 square feet of indoor and outdoor space, including covered outdoor runs and play areas. A private dog dog park that owners can visit with their pets has a fenced walking trail bordering natural wetlands, separate areas with artificial turf and and shade trees, and a canines-only water park. Do you know how our dogs freak out when you give them a bath? Exactly. The pet resort can accommodate up to 270 dogs and 30 cats for both daytime play and overnight bookings. And they will accept small furry creatures like hamsters as well. The facility offers a variety. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> hamsters are like six bucks. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm going to bring my rodent on vacation with me. <laughs> going to cost you. You could buy 20 hamsters. We got, Mickey, we got Mickey Mouse. Well, here's Harry Hamster. <laughs> I'm sure people who own hamsters don't appreciate the situation yeah, sure. that they're, they're like disposable. Well, that's hamster hate. That's there. how I feel about guinea pigs. Here's a like book 12 with a picture of a guinea pig, and I'm like, what kind of noise does a guinea pig make? I'm they're, like, they're here's quiet. a guinea pig. They're very quiet. <laughs> the facility offers a variety of accommodations, including uh, four expansive VIP suites with TVs, Raised bedding and private outdoor yards. A TV? Where's the hamster? It's out in the water park. <laughs> there was actually a threat on Got the eaten Diz by about, the dog. A threat on the Diz about somebody wanted to know what to do with their hamster when they brought it on vacation and could they take it on the bus over to one of the, the kennels? Put it in your pocket. Okay, and Kevin, we used to have a Siberian hamster that cost fifty bucks. Siberian? Yes. It came from Siberia. Well, I don't know. It was cute. It was white. And what happened to it? This it is got cut in the wall, bird, didn't it? No, Max used to put. Oh, Max, Max used to put in his little semi truck and drive it around the house. It was so cute. And that's then it wasn't that, an accident. That's not an answer to the question I have. It died of old age. We had it for a long time. I can't talk. I had a pet squirrel, so that he sat on Did accidentally. You, you cosetted the squirrel, so you can take. So you can bring your cat. Squirrel killer, like a wild squirrel. Yes. Yeah, I found them on LSU's campus. Yeah, they had like the flying squirrels. Like that. he wasn't flying. It was a real wild. Squirrel. His name was Yoshi. If you want to pay a hundred bucks oh, to board Lord. your hamster, go for it. So you said they had cats and dog. Yep. Okay. Feline guests stay in separate Kitty City Pavilion in two and four room condos. Oh that's, wow! That's how they entertain the cats. They let the hamster go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll volunteer to take Klaus over there. And so see they got flat they screens and raised beds. Well, I don't know if they're flat screens, but they say they have TVs and raised beds. Um, owners can choose from a range of a la carte add-ons, including one-on-one playtime, <laughs> social playgroups, cuddle time, and bedtime stories. 
Oh, so cute. Edible treats, bottled water, or special premium orthopedic bedding. This is for the people in Golden Oaks. It's a a good idea. It sounds expensive. um, I'm telling you, uh, my my animals are very spoiled, Mm. um, but there's a limit. There's a limit. You You don't want your hamster to have a massage? Max does not sit down and watch Desperate Housewives. Is there a list (laughs) of prices or no? I don't have prices yet. Um, There's also going to be a grooming salon. And the final thing is that the Best Friends Pet Care Resort is located across from Disney's Port Orleans Resort. It's just it, it, because this is more for the owners. Mm. This really is more for the owners. I mean, you know, my dog mistakes the litter box for a buffet table. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not he's not what I call discerning. I mean, I love my dog to death, but I also tried to leave him in a pet spa once. And for him in particular, he's just not. He's not good being away from us. If they can find a dead frog outside to roll around on top of, they're happy. You see, if he's away from us, you know, it's either he's either got to be with my mother or he's got to be with Walter or uh, Walter and I. He really, there's no other option for him because he gets too emotional. He gets too emotional. I can't. He needs a sibling. It works best for our dogs yeah. to keep them. They stay in one little place together. He has a half brother. <laughs> Maybe you should get him a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> no, is, I wonder if they're going to have webcams. Because the place you bring our dog, they have webcams. Maybe. Maybe. This is going to replace the kennels on property. So I think that's one of the biggest concerns people have is that this is now, if you want to board your pet, you now have to go over to this location. So it's no longer right outside the know, theme park. The theme park. So. And you can take the wooded but trail that borders could, wetland. Well, I mean... If I, you know, if you're staying at Port Orleans, it works out perfect. It's great. Do you think the people who stay at Port Orleans can afford the VIP suites with the TVs in the back? Plus, you got a crust like seven means of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Frogger. <laughs> When's it open, John? August 27th. Just you gonna said? say it's going to be open August 27th, but they're taking reservations now. Cool. But, you know, we're staying at Celebration for uh, for the 4th, and that would be a good option for us to leave our dogs. I'm sure that... Because it's close. I'm sure that you can have not the crazy package. Yeah. Right. And it would probably be the equivalent of putting a dog up in any... Even though Bailey could use the zone. orthopedic bedding, I bet. He has yeah. a bad back. Do they do massages? <laughs> they he likes do. butt rubs. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and on that note, I'm done with news. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, John. Uh, we're going to move on to rapid fire. Who would like to go first? Teresa, who's back there waving her arms. I love to wave, but y'all are so far away. Hey. Um, this morning, I got it's a e- 400 square foot room, <laughs> Teresa. You're really not that far away. Never alone. She's drunk. Yeah, I just. Okay, never mind. Um, this morning, I got an email from Swan Dolphin, and they've got some lower rates that just came out today for some select days um, at the Swan. July 23rd to the 27th, 149. That's for everybody. August 6th to the 8th and 12th to the 19th is 149, also at the Swan. At the Dolphin, um, the same dates, July 23rd to the 27th is 129 for everybody. And August 13th to the 19th is also 129. I assume so. this is standard view room? Yes. Not a balcony room? Standard view, and um, that's a good rate. That's Anybody can get it. You don't Especially have to in pay. the summer. Yeah. So this is good for the middle of the summer. You know, this is, you know, if you're going to travel in August or latter part of July, it's a deal. Cool. Thank you, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Who'd like to go next? 
Oh, well. I hope no one's done this yet. <laughs> the 2010 Disneyland Half Marathon is going to be taking place September 3rd through the 5th. Um, it's going to be $120 per participant for the half marathon itself. And if you're doing the half marathon family fun run, it's $50 per participant. The half marathon kids races are $20 per participant. And they're even having, they're going to even have a diaper dash for crawlers. You have to be 12 months or and under. I think that's adorable. Um, and then they have a health and fitness expo that will take place at the Disneyland Hotel Friday the 3rd. It'll be from noon to 8 p.m. And then Saturday the 4th, it'll be from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can get more information at DisneylandHalfMarathon.com. Registration is open now. Cool. You, know, you, look, you look so good. She does. You really she does do. Look good. You look really, really, really? good. Really? I was up at 4 a.m. No. You look <laughs> wonderful. You look wonderful. Motherhood agrees with you, darling. Thanks. It's so good to have you back. Honestly, we missed you. Missed you terrible. Oh, they missed you on the boards too. Did you see the I post? didn't see my post, but I did post on Facebook last night that I was coming back today, and a lot of my posse, as Nikki Bell called them, <laughs> <laughs> she said Kathy has her peeps, and I have my posse. So apparently, they've been building up, and I just didn't know it. <laughs> you know, although Julie's she hasn't been on the show for three months now, she's listened to every single show. Have you? Who believes me? I was just going to say. <laughs> I don't listen to him when I am here. She just said, I don't know if anybody talked about this before. <laughs> She's not listening to nothing. But I figured that y'all didn't talk about marathons. I always talk about the marathons. <laughs> it's hard to talk about a marathon when you have a bourbon ball in your mouth. <laughs> Everybody's apparently half the table's getting loaded on bourbon balls here. So. <laughs> Should make for an interesting second half to the show. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Julie. Corey Patrick. I just want to remind everybody about DizTickers.com. If you post if you post on the boards and you want to add a little bling to your signature, um, go to DizTickers.com. You can add countdown tickers to your next vacation, um, wedding day, birthday, all types of things. We, we add new tickers there uh, weekly, so keep checking. Even if you have one in your signature now, uh, check back over there because there might be something new that you like. Cool. Kevin. Mine was about the meat I did. Oh, that's earlier. right. That's right. You did. All right. Mine is Johnny. Have you had a chance to see the Pixar story on CNBC? No, I, I wanted to watch it, but I haven't. It's incredible. It literally is the story of how Pixar was formed, wow. and and it starts off with John Lasseter and some things that I didn't know. If you have a chance to see it, please see it. It's one of those things they run over and over and over again. One of the things I didn't know is that um, Lasseter studied under the nine old men. There was a course at his college, and he took college courses and learned how to animate under them. So that's where he got his love of Disney and of animation. Wow. And then it takes us through the trials of, of what it was to do the company. One thing that's really cool is in the beginning, there's some home movies of him. And he's in the animation building where we were on our Adventures by Disney trip. And they were at the corner of Dopey yep. Drive and all that. It was really awesome. I actually saw him going down the same corridor we walked through. Wow. So it was, Isn't that cool? It was really neat. Check it out. It was an awesome story. Great. Thank you, John. Uh, Kathy? Um, We have Disney offers a payment plan now for Florida residents when they're purchasing an annual pass. Mm. They must make a down payment equal to the current price of a full-price, one-day Magic Your Way base ticket. And then after you make the down payment, the guests will make 12 recurring payments, and it must be charged to a credit or a debit card. And the first payment will be charged the same day the guest signs up, or they said within the first couple days. So figure as soon as you make a deposit, they're going to make your first payment. And it all has to be done online. 
Okay, well, we have, I have mentioned the need for this for years on the show. So, Disney, congratulations, you got it half right. 10% right. Well, you got it half right. Yeah, 10% right, yeah, probably more accurate, uh, in just limiting it to Florida residents. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they're just going to try it out and see how it works. Let's hope so. I mean, I hope so. I think that this is, in in all honesty, I think it's more beneficial to other people. I disagree. Really? Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people over the years in working in outside jobs, people who just look at Disney as so unaffordable. I would go all the time if I had an annual pass, but I can't come up with X number of dollars at Mm -hmm. one time. I think what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to offer it to locals who might stop in Mm -hmm. occasionally, more often. And, and, And that's fine. I'm not. I'm certainly not suggesting they should eliminate. I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was disagreeing with the fact that it was my point. For other people. Right. My point is that, and my point about this, especially since the economy has gone south, is, you know, to quote a line from Austin Powers: "Throw us a freaking bone here. Uh, help people out. We're not asking. We're not saying give away anything." saying, you know, there are a lot of people that don't live in Florida that buy annual passes. Let them have the, the option of a payment plan. You're not losing any money here. You're not losing any money, and you're making it a lot more attractive. You know, $30 a month or $50 a month is a lot easier for someone to come up with than a one-shot $500 deal, especially if you're buying it for a family of four. Absolutely. I agree 100% and with you. I, so, I mean... Like I said, this is a step in the right direction, you know, good, but not enough. You need to take this to the next level. And preferably soon. You know, the economy is bad, so it will help. It will help now. So I, I, I just would like to see them, you know, like I said, expand it. But, you know, at least it's a step in the right direction. I'm not going to give them an awful lot of praise for this because it's long overdue. The people in Golden Oaks are going to be able to do this, too. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, have you heard the, the rumors that we're looking at a price ticket price increase in August? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Of course we are. August and January. It always happens. Well, you would hope that well, you it would be always, but very possible. Is this a delivery? Yay, I love UPS. The brown truck of joy. Yes. It is. Well, no, at this point, UPS and FedEx are here so much, you'd think they'd work, at, work out of this house. I mean, um, what is it, Max? Oh, is, that my, uh, is that my suitcase? Yes. Yes. That's, my, that's the, uh, the carry-on suitcase that I'm going to use. That's the only suitcase I'm going to pack for California. Whoa. I'm on a mission. I was just in the airport picking up Nicholas, and they're making announcements all over the airport. If you have things that have overstuffed the outside pockets on your carry-on, take them out, or you will not be allowed to put the carry-on on the plane. So tell our listeners, what what's the brand? What is it? Why is it so it's special? A, well, it's Travel Pro. It's a, I'm, that's, a, that's my preferred That's a big deal. Uh, luggage manufacturer travel pro i like their stuff their stuff lasts that's usually what like flight attendants and pilots use right. as travel pro and uh 
I, um, you know, Walter and I have been doing a great deal of traveling, and uh, as I've mentioned, it's uh, a, a real. Uh, I, I love to travel. I hate the process of getting there. Uh, and so I really want to start being smarter about how I travel. And one of the, and I, every time I travel, it's the same thing. Why did I bring all this crap? I didn't need all this. Um, and so I want to, for you know, for a week, a trip for a week, I want to see if I can get away with packing a bag that I can bring on the plane and put in the overhead and not have to go through. Uh, not you have to go through uh, you know luggage and all that stuff. Um, so we're going to see. We're going to see because normally what I bring with me, I think for the even for the last trip to California, my bag was sixty five pounds. Um, ours because, was that coming back, but ours was in that. Well, way. oh no, no, everything that we bought out there, yeah, Walter had Walter shipped it back. Um, but no, because I have to have you know sixteen outfits apparently for every possible event. Um, and it's ridiculous, and it's just stupid. And I want to see if I can get aggressive. And you're gonna love it too when you get to there, and you you can just use the overhead. You're in and out. You don't have to go to the baggage. I love it. And I got a computer bag that's uh, TSA uh, TSA friendly, where you don't have to take your computer out. Nice. Um, well, that would help. It open. It just un, it completely unzips and exposes the computer compartment so that there's nothing because that's why they want you to take it out. They they can't have anything blocking it. So this is a TSA friendly bag, also a travel pro, and uh, so I intend to bring all of three bags with me: a small carry on that'll have uh, my iPad, my laptop carry on, and my luggage carry on. So everything will be with me on the plane. And what are you gonna do when you come back from Imagineering? Uh, oh, I don't. I'm. I, this time I'm not gonna spend. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. How much do you want to bet right now? Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. I don't spend more than five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so which one of those? Which one of these bags is gonna hold that five hundred dollars worth? Of- we'll ship it back. Okay. What about we pick a, an amount normal people would spend? Hundred dollars for a hundred dollars. That's, that's a quarter of what I spent the last time. <laughs> oh, I see. We should do a poll. It's a seventy-five percent reduction. There is a recession. Huh? <laughs> well, no. I mean, just I, I bought everything there I wanted. Um, I can't imagine. You don't think there'll be new stuff? Well, there might be, but I don't think <laughs> there's going to be two thousand dollars worth of new stuff. Like an Imagineering iPad case. <laughs> okay, well that <laughs> that would have to be purchased. You know, an Imagineering iPhone holder, you know, something like that. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there are limits to what I won't buy. <laughs> so you got something shipped here last show too. No, this we should, have a, con- we should have a contest. What's Pete yeah, really? going to get next week? That's I, part of the bingo. Yeah. <laughs> I have been an online shopping maniac this past month. It's insane. It's I, I I don't know why. All of a sudden, I've just been ordering crap online like crazy. I sent Corey to Toys R Us yesterday because he was by, at Best Buy. So I'm like, go to Toys R Us. That's just cruel. Yeah. It's just like sending him to Best Buy. He came home with a whole bunch of stuff. It's really tough. We were in Dillard's the other day, and we went through the kids section, and I thought, I just want to buy these clothes. They are the cutest freaking clothes. Um, Walter, what do you have for Rapid Fire? This month, for Velvet Sessions, they're going to have the fix. Pete and I always talk about going to that one. It's supposed to be the most popular one, but alas, we will be gone. It's going to be Thursday, July. Alas. Alas. <laughs> alas and alas. It's going to be July, Thursday, 
Thursday, Sir July Walter 29th. Will not be here. <laughs> okay, 29th. It's going to be at 6.30. It's $25. If you buy tickets online, it's $30 at the door. Um, they're going to be singing their hits, such as One Thing Leads to Another, Say by Zero, Red Skies, Are We Ourselves. That's one I really would love to go yeah, see. Yeah, Fix would be cool. Yeah. That twas cool. Walter's rapid fire. Twas. <laughs> alas. Alas. But alas, it is over. It will be a fortnight before he does it again. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for Rapid Fire this week. We're going to move on to our first segment and talk a little bit about Summer Nightastic. Um, I know Kathy and Teresa uh, have been over in the parks checking out some of uh, what's on offer for Summer Nightastic, and uh, we had gotten a, a John, Kevin, and I had gotten a chance to see the new fireworks from uh, a fireworks cruise, which was phenomenal. But uh, why don't we start out just telling people what exactly Summer Night Tastic involves? Summer Night Tastic is something going on um, at several parks. It's at Magic Kingdom and it's at um, Hollywood Studios at Magic Kingdom. It's new fireworks and it's the Main Street Electrical Parade has come back. They've added to it. They've made it cleaner, sharper, however you want. It's it's still a, a big crowd favorite. Um, at Hollywood Studios, they have a dance party. I'm going to go check that one out tomorrow night. And they've put a new effect on Tower of Terror. Um, got lights outside, and they've different effects inside. There's one where, um, as you're going to go out, your face is projected like on the elevator doors, and then as you come back, again, it looks like your face sort of goes away. I'm not going to go check that out for the team. I don't do Tower of Terror. <laughs> Have you done that one, Teresa? No, I haven't. No, she won't go on it either. Neither will Max, which like just confuses me to no end. I love that ride. Julie will it. go on it, <laughs> and Max won't. <laughs> but I don't do Rock and Roller Coaster. No, neither do I. Oh, well, that's okay, huh? But Tower... Rock and roller coaster is completely different oh, than Tower of up Terror. Up and down, up and down, up and down. You're fall- plummeting to your death repeatedly. <laughs> yes, because that's what happens every day well, at Disney's the, Hollywood the, Studios. They're pulling people out in on stretchers. But still, the feeling of, I don't like that feeling. How do you know? You haven't had it. Have you ever been in an elevator that fell? I did Tower of Terror <laughs> once, and that was Answer enough. the question. Answer the question. Have you ever been in an elevator that fell? Yes. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. You're a liar. I am not lying. You I sit on a throne. No, of lies. I seriously, <laughs> seriously. When Just I was agreed in college, to sitting on a throne. No, of lies. listen to me. Listen to me. When I was in college, I used to manually run an elevator. Okay, mine. It was only four story department <laughs> store, but one time the sucker did the, the, the little thing went, and I hit that. There's a big spring on the bottom, but it's still a horrible feeling as you're plummeting. <laughs> <laughs> in Albany, New York, the Otis Elevator Building is only one story tall. Really? Did any of the miners get hurt, Teresa? No, none of the miners got okay. hurt. Did but you I hold did a have, penny in your hand? But the door did wouldn't open all the way, and they had to pull this poor little old lady out. And she got that old. She got thrown to the floor. It wasn't me. It was this little <laughs> old woman I was taking to the bath. Anyway, whatever. But no, I won't get on it. End of that story. But anyway, so back to the <laughs> the Main Street Electrical Parade. Um, I know lots of people have seen it. I think I caught the tail end of it when it was here. It's um, here for a limited engagement till August 14th, the Main Street Electrical Parade and the Summer Nightastic Fireworks. Um, rumor is it's probably going to be extended, but I wouldn't count on it. But Really? Why not? 
you, don't you, think know, you never you never know with Disney if they've got it they've got plans to put it somewhere else or you know maybe they bring it back for a couple weeks because Mickey's very merry Christmas party is starting August fifteenth. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the, isn't the official end date August 29th, I thought? No, it's the fourteenth. Okay, maybe Disneyland is the 29th. Yeah, but um, it's really worth seeing. I mean, the first night I was there. Um, it just really like energizes the crowd. The crowds were like clapping, and I mean, I've been there for loads of parades, and I've never seen people like really clap and scream when the the parade floats come out. The electrical parade's kind of iconic, though. Yeah, I love it. I've been over four times and seen it since mm-hmm. it's since it's been there. And every time I would go at a different location to see, you know, get a different and view. you cry and every time. Cries every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no tears were shed. At the parade portion of the evening. (laughs) Now, you saw the before they made the changes, right? Kathy, have you ever seen it before? Yes. So what's different between the two? Basically, they've, they've um, they've added some things to the American float at the end. There's more like fireworks and... Okay, that was touching. I do remember. Okay, never mind. I'm I'm telling you, I know at some point during the parade, this woman cried. But they've also added pixie lights or pixie dust lights that start up at the front with tink and it goes back through all the the floats through the parade so it just continuously so that's something new that wasn't there before um they've added a little bit of music and they've also like cleaned it up you know like from how the music sounded before um so there's something if, if you enjoyed it before it's like seeing an old friend and if you you know never seen it it's really it is you know it's, it's pretty awesome yeah. the one night i saw it with tim and leslie and beth and a few other people and shelly was there and we were in sleepy hollow right over the bridge and the parade was coming around the corner most of the parade went through and all of a sudden it stopped but we knew the salute to america portion which is the last portion was sitting on the bridge and it just stopped dead and, and it was about five minutes nothing happened and the little lady in their tri-corner hats come walking by. And, and then all of a sudden, from the opposite direction, come the tiniest little tow truck I've ever seen. And everybody cheered, and he backed up and turned around and, and towed the little float away. I, guess I don't know if I ran out of gas or what. He had to take it back to Radiator Springs. <laughs> but it was, just, it was just so cute. And it was, you know, the crowd just loved it. And then I moved, and the next time I saw it, I had moved over to Main Street on a different evening. And that was a that was a good you know, classic perspective of seeing it. We watched it from in front of the train station the first night, so it was nice. You got to see it coming out of the gate, and as it made the the turn right there, and as it came in front of us, you had a lot of like FaceTime with the parade floats. And we had a um, one of the little ones, you know, that spin around. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody had forgotten to latch the door, so every time it spun around, the door with the little bugs, know, yeah. Little- yeah, and when when they had the media preview, we got to go in and see how they how they drive it, and it, it just looks like a, a riding lawnmower kind of a thing, with two levers in front of them, and when they have one you know going forward and one going back, that's what gets them to spin. And they'll stop. We were taking pictures the first night we had gone, and that little bug flew right up to Grace and stopped and waited for her to take the picture, mm-hmm. and then spun away. That's pretty awesome. What's a good trick for where to see it? I think pretty much anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Get there early, though. We got there, what's it start at 9? Mm-hmm. And we pulled in the first night. We got there about 8. And I told the family, we're just going to walk down Main Street until we see an opening, and then we're going to snag it. 
when we got all the way through Main Street, there was no opening. And this was about 8 o'clock. And we followed it on and ended up in Sleepy Hollow, almost in front of the Pre- Hall of Presidents. That's my favorite place to watch a parade. That's a good spot It was a good spot. It was a really good spot. We did that for the... Halloween parade, remember? Mm-hmm. We were yeah, over there. We we're just a little bit further almost, down. Yeah. yeah, almost at the last minute, and we got a great spot. It's a great place for the Halloween parade because um, the guy from Sleepy Hollow sometimes turns there. Headless Horseman. That's it. And then it got to the fireworks. You know, everybody cleared out after the parade, and I'm like, oh, well, it's not going to be too bad when, you know, the fireworks start in an hour. And about 10 minutes to 10, I think everybody that was in the park decided to congregate there on the street to see the fireworks. And the thing that everybody keeps asking is, how is it as compared to Wishes? And Wishes was like one of my favorite fireworks. You forget all about Wishes when you see this. It's like one. Wishes Who. So yeah. Yeah. It's Julie, have you seen them? I've seen, I've seen it a long time ago. No, there's a lot of Sleeping Beauty in it. But it's you just, can tell she's well, overwhelmed. Sorry. Well, <laughs> nine o'clock, it's too late for my kids to be out. There's 20% more <laughs> perimeter fireworks, but what they do up on the castle is just awesome. And, I mean, we were standing back by the train station, and we we were just awed. You know, I want to go back again and see it, like, up closer, but um, we were talking that there was a thread on the dis boards that um, somebody called in 911 that... Um, they thought the castle was on fire or whatever, and they called yeah, 911, and they had that. to stop the, the show for 10 minutes. But yeah, it really is. It's pretty wild. The one night we did, the first night we stayed um, over by the bridge and watched the fireworks and couldn't get the full effect. We knew they were, they were behind trees, some of it. The next night that we had come over, we were dead center in front of the castle and close. And I thought the castle was under siege. I mean, it, the smoke was just, it's the, pretty amazing. The storyline yeah. is very similar to uh, the fireworks of pirates and princess party mm-hmm. in that the uh pirates are trying to take over the castle and there's this great battle that ensues around the castle and it's amazing how close the fireworks are mm-hmm. you would think you can't do that, that yeah close, you think it they're kind of i love the whole um i guess it's the fairy godmother talking yes mm-hmm. pink blue pink blue and they're blue over here and they're pink over there and you're like oh my god just Okay, I did. I did weep a little bit. It was of course, you did twice. Uh, she's weeping but twice. I mean, the fireworks are just so much. It's like they're on steroids. It's like they really pump. Them I up. have to be honest with you. I think you're going to enjoy them more at a distance. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get to uh, the Poly Beach, the Grand Floridian, um, a, a Wishes Cruise. You're going to see more. I think you should certainly see them in the park, but I think you should make time to see them a second time outside the mm-hmm. park. Yeah, you can see it all. Right in front of the castle center, like, but, but where it, exactly? I mean, where are you? Well, staying? we were um, okay. We come back across the bridge and headed towards what is it? Is that the hub, the center? Yeah. Okay, we were to the left of the hub just a little bit, but we saw absolutely everything, and we like that location because Tinkerbell. You got a good look at her when she comes flying out the window. You can hear her scream. Yeah, you can hear her screaming <laughs> as she plummets to, <laughs> to her death. And we <laughs> like bought, she was know, on Tower of Terror. And from back at the train station, we liked it too because Katie had to go to work the next day. So we watched the fireworks and then we were like the first people out of the park. So we got on the monorail before traffic got too bad. So if you've got small kids that you don't want to keep them up too late, that's a good place. It was a great view. And also, a good if, you, if the early parade is too crowded, Watch the fireworks first, and then the mm-hmm. parade the parade comes on right after that again. 
So we, we've done that, too. So. I imagine there's a mass exodus after the fireworks. Mm-hmm. There is. But definitely go see it. We enjoyed it. Now, they'll be doing a special fireworks show for 4th of July, correct? Mm-hmm. On the 3rd and the 4th. Okay. And that's going to be a madhouse. Mm-hmm. A madhouse. Always, Always is. Insane. So, Summer Nightastic, d- d- they did a good job? Oh, they did a fantastic oh, definitely. job. definitely. Yeah. What's the dance party? Is that going to be Stitch again, or is that... They have a DJ, and they have supposedly a local band that plays, and I'll let you know after I go tomorrow night. That's at Hollywood Studios? Because mm-hmm. I know that um, the little stage, yes, I said little stage, over in um, Tomorrowland, they have that little dance thing going on. Grace and um, Anne's daughters were over there. Her little friend. Dancing their little friend, their little hearts out there. We night. haven't made her self-conscious, have we? <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of time. Yeah. But this... Okay, I've been here, what, two years? Been coming to Disney off and on for six, seven years now, Pete. And this was my favorite fireworks. Uh, I, I, now I've been, you know, coming to Disney for, you know. Longer. Yeah, it's like 20 years. And I've never seen a fireworks show like this. I've never seen a fireworks I show I never like liked, this. really liked fireworks until I moved here. Because I, I would, you know, on 4th of July, I would go someplace and I've gone places where you sat and watched fireworks. Who doesn't like fireworks? Because of the crowds and everything that go along with it. And I've been on vacation when we sat out on the beach and watched spectacular fireworks. But it wasn't until I came here to Disney and saw how they did fireworks that now it's like, Yeah, That's Disney does fireworks. definitely. There's it's, a difference between a fireworks show, like what Disney puts on, or like what you go and watch on the 4th of July, and just fireworks because i hate fireworks really popping fireworks yes because they start selling them weeks before the holiday that the fireworks oh no i'm not talking about the stuff your neighbors are doing in the street that's what i'm I'm talking about i I do not like fireworks in my neighborhood i like fireworks shows i don't like fireworks in my neighborhood do you live chinatown (laughs) (laughs) apparently (laughs) growing up i mean growing up on the jersey shore you know fourth of july you're down to the beach and you know there was always a crowd but they put on the fireworks show. That was the extent of that. That was my my point of reference for many years. Oh, for right, the fireworks right. show. On occasion, uh, you know, if we were up in the city, when I lived in in New York City and watched uh, the fireworks uh, for the Fourth of July, the going Macy's on, fireworks. Yeah. Um, now that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. But I got to tell you, when you know coming down here, either on vacation or after I moved, and seeing what. Like illuminations and the various fireworks shows they've done at at the Magic Kingdom, it's positively spectacular. Oh, it is. Fireworks lose a little bit of their importance here because they have them every night, mm-hmm. right? But you know, they haven't for as many times as I've seen them. I never get tired of it. Every time I go to see illuminations, I've seen illuminations a bazillion times. But it just never gets old. I like when they put the special shows on at the end for illuminations, like at Christmas and Fourth of July. Yeah. They, you, again, I would stand there and cry for that. Yeah, you think about. I always think about the hundreds, thousands, and thousands of people that are coming from wherever they live, and all they have ever seen is the fireworks on the Fourth of July in their community, right? right? And they come here and they're just blown away because now next week I'm going back to Illinois and I'll be there for the Fourth. And I'm going to see the Volunteer Fire Department's fireworks show. <laughs> what an appropriate group of people to put on the fireworks show. Yeah, really. And, you know, it'll probably last 30 minutes, and it'll be spectacular for 
that moment, I guess. For Biggsville. Yeah. I just picked up Nicholas at the airport, and as you go through security, there's a sign at every little runway into security because they have those queues set up. There are no fireworks allowed on planes, <laughs> which just struck me as kind of funny. Well, because you can buy them here. Right, yeah. on every Everywhere. corner. But Pete, Biggsville does not have fireworks. We have to go to Aquaca for that. Oh, so it's a big trip to Aquaca. Yes. <laughs> Are they outlawed in Biggsville? No, but there's just... There's no people. Uh, there's only 200 people in the town, and I you think know. we don't even have, the guy with the have a fireworks show for nine people. <laughs> the guy with the matches died. You gotta well, go. I'm sorry. You I'm from a tiny to... little place, and Greensburg, they have more than one fireworks stand. You've got to go to Aquaville or whatever. <laughs> Aquaville. Where they have 37 people. Aquaca. Okay. And if you come here for fireworks, I know we did Epcot for a number of years. Just figure you're not going anywhere. I mean, we usually wait like two hours in the parking lot to get out of there. So don't don't yeah. fuss. Don't, you know, that's just how it that's is. That's the part I like. <laughs> or don't like, I mean. Right. I was going to say. No, I mean, I apologize. That's the part that drives me crazy. Right. That's, that's what I didn't like back home is that everybody tries to get out of your little community park and traffic side up. It's like I could watch them. You know, somewhere else. I think we're going to go to downtown Disney this year and watch them. Cool. On the 4th? On the 4th, yeah. I'll be in a quokka. Thank we'll you We'll be at it. Celebration. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Teresa and Kathy, for that. Uh, coming up next, uh, Dave Parfit, our senior correspondent, has nailed yet another uh, great interview, this time with Tony Baxter, who is the senior vice president of creative development for Walt Disney Imagineering, which has got to be a cool a cool job. And he's also the uh, creative executive for Disneyland. So Dave had a chance. Uh, he was actually giving a, a presentation uh, in New York State, and Dave heard he was coming and made some phone calls and was able to arrange an actual sit-down interview with him. So here is Dave's interview with Tony Baxter. Greetings, everyone. This is David Parfit, Senior Correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. And today I am in Buffalo, New York, where Disney Imagineer Tony Baxter gave the keynote address at the Creative Problem Solving Institute. Tony is the Senior Vice President of Creative Development for Walt Disney Imagineering and the Creative Executive for Disneyland. And today's talk was titled Designing for Disney, Patterns that Embolden Successful Innovation. That's a fitting subject for someone who received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Themed Entertainment Association in 2001. Tony, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. I like to call myself an idea guy. The pretension of that title is really just to open a few doors, but what I do for a living is come up with ideas. And you've been responsible for some big ideas, too. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, the original Journey into Imagination at Epcot, Star Tours, Splash Mountain, Indiana Jones... Finding Nemo's Submarine Voyage, just to name a few. Could you tell our audience how your career at Walt Disney Imagineering started? Well, you know, I grew up as a kid in the shadow of Disneyland, rode my bike out there, and uh, after turning 16, 18, excuse me, I uh, had to work there. There was no ifs or buts about it. I was going to work at Disneyland. I think early on my, my dream would have been satisfied to just be an operator at Disneyland on Pirates of the Caribbean or something like that. But uh, as I got more or less a, an education at Disneyland of you know actually doing what I love to do, I was also getting an education in arts at uh, school, starting in architecture and morphing over to uh, theater. 
And I think the combination of the practical at Disneyland of actually working with things and seeing how they get used, what are the problems with moving guests and all that, I learned more there than the techniques I picked up in my, my formal education. But anyway, out of all of that, I did some proposals for attractions, and uh, I had a crazy contraption that showed a lot of mechanical, not no- knowledge, but not any educational formal engineering. And I took them all up in a van to, you know, to the place I got interviewed, and out of that came an assignment to work in their dimensional design department. And that was the beginning. From from there, my career went from being uh, in field, what we called art director, where I helped Claude Coates and uh, some of the early, you know, first generation Imagineers uh, like Rolly Crump and and Mark Davis. I helped them install their designs, and I learned a lot from that in field experience. And when I came back, I was actually able to come up with my own idea, which the first of which was Big Thunder. So, and from then on, I've kind of been one of them. <laughs> that was exactly what my question was going to be as far as what the atmosphere was like at Walt Disney Imagineering when you first started. Well, it was a wonderful period in time, and they were all, and to this day, they are talked of in reverential terms. Claude, I, I worked, you know, a lot with Claude. I, I, I respected Mark, but he was... Um, a different sort than I guess I, I enjoyed working with because the two of them were responsible for kind of their blended skills created rides like Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion and Mark was clearly character driven and Claude was environmental driven and that came out of the fact that Mark did so many great characters in film like uh, Maleficent and uh, Briar Rose and Sleeping Beauty and where Claude created all these wonderful backgrounds and, and worlds that these characters inhabited and Walt was smart enough to bring them over to do the same thing in Dimension so I kind of migrated more to Claude because he did the environmental aspects of the shows and he mentored me uh, and we became very close friends and I couldn't believe that I remember he says well you know I'm going to go down to the academy to see the shorts would you like to come and I go now, would I, have, you know, this kid who grew up in Orange County, rode my bike to the park, would I like to ride with one of these, you know, gods of Disney history? Would I like to go and watch the, you know, the subjects that are up for the Academy Award? I think I would go, you know, and so it, it was a wonderful time. And it's sad, most of these people are all gone now. There's maybe two living. And, uh, you know, it's kind of frightening when you think of that. But... I did feel, when I was trying to say, what do I bring to the equation, that the, the, these people that were there with Walt, I think the one thing that really is important is people that grew up with a product have an understanding for what it was that made the product special, that the people that created the initial product, whether it was film or, uh, and later the theme parks, they never really experienced it either as a child or as a receiver of that. So they were a little bit less... On, on, on solid ground when they came up with a new attraction. Most of the classic rides were begun under Walt's direction. Walt, I believe, I didn't know him personally, but I think he was an eternal child. And uh, he could guide these incredible talents at what would resonate with the audience because he, he never let go of that ability to see things in that innocent, childlike way. So, you know, it was something I felt I could bring. And Claude would rely on me for that. He'd go, what, what do you think people will think about this? And I thought I couldn't believe that. And then he would 
Card Walker was the president of the company at that time, or the CEO, and he would come over and, and Claude would say, oh, Card, you've got to see this idea that Tony had, you know, and I thought, wow, that is, that's amazing. He's so selfless and so uh, excited about my, my thing. So I've tried to remember that now, and as I work with younger people and try to, you know, now transferring that energy or that, uh, that knowledge base to yet uh, a third-gen Imagineering crew. In your talk today, you talked about the importance of being 12, and it sounds like you described Walt Disney as being the eternal child, and it sounds like you have a little bit of that in yourself as well. Could you relay your story about some of your formative experiences when you were 12 and how you've kept those? When you're 12, you're not sophisticated enough to have the hormones haven't started racing, and you're not jaded by all the you know, boundaries that society puts on you to be an, a legitimate adult. I think kids are very brash in what they can say. Uh, they can uh, literally, you know, if they don't like something, they'll go, you know, I don't like this, or it doesn't make sense. And they take their, like one of the little girls today took her shoes off and in the session. I thought, how many out there have burning feet that would love to take their shoes off? But we gradually get conditioned to what's socially or politically acceptable, and you defer to that rather than saying what you honestly believe. And if anyone wants a lesson in watching this unfold, it's the movie Big with Tom Hanks, uh, where a 12-year-old suddenly finds himself as the vice president of a toy factory. Well, he's the best at it, which immediately makes all the real adults jealous. How can this guy walk in here and take our jobs away and all that? Because he is still enjoying the product, and they don't have a clue as to whether anyone's going to enjoy the product. But the dilemma that the Hanks character goes through is having to decide, do I grow up and become a corporate suit and abandon the things that really give me the edge in doing this right? So I think the dilemma everyone faces is how to maintain so much of that that you have at 12 and take it with you and be able to put that hat on and then put your executive hat or your you know your adult your adult form on and, and be able to go back and forth and check it out from the receiving end as well as the uh, politically correct end of things. So I try to do that. I still enjoy the park at that level. Things that I grew up with like Sleeping Beauty. I couldn't believe it. I was asked to do commentary on the Blu-ray disc and I said, "Well, what?" And they go, "Well, you, you you're you're embedded in it. You love it, you know. And I said, you're, and now at this point, with so many people gone, you know, it's passing off to people that are just absolutely, you know, obsessed with that. But when I saw the dragon in that thing at the end, when I was 12 years old, it's lasted with me my whole career, you know. So, and that's something that you incorporated into the castle at Disneyland Paris as well. I did, you know, it, these things. And you go, well, I remember painting a dragon when I was in college. It was in my portfolio, and then, you know, the, the opportunity arose when I was uh, leading the creative effort on Paris, and I said, all right, we're going to put a dragon in the basement here. Now, it wasn't a ticketed item. It wasn't, you know, a show or a ride or anything. It was just there. And what was interesting is I wasn't the only one that, that thought it would be cool to be a dragon. Here in the summer of How Do You Train Your Dragon, uh, it's kind of fun. But back in, in 92 when we did it, it scored the number three thing that people talked about when we opened the park. They said, rate your, you know, of course, pirates and whatnot. And then said, oh, the dragon in the castle, you know. And they had decided that it would be netting zero capacity or value. And yet 
our audience was telling us they thought it was the third most great thing that was there. So, you know, uh, that's, I think, it, you know, whatever your dragon might be, it's important to keep it there and never abandon it because you might have that, you know, and you've got to be able to rejuvenate those feelings that made the dragon very cool so that you do it right. Because if you're trying to suppose what is right, I, you know, I hear people at work all the time say, I think the guests will like this. And I go, well, what, what do you think? Oh, well, I don't know. We're doing this for the guests. I said, no, you're not. You, you may say that. That's the political right thing to say. But if you're not going to go on it over and over again because you love seeing it, then what makes you think they're going to want to see it? You know. And whether you're afraid to or embarrassed to say that you still enjoy things, and maybe that's not the professional, uh, but you've got to have that in the back of your mind. You've got to love these things. Uh, and I, you know, there's examples of things that clearly were not done by people that had that passion in them still, and they may be adequate or you know whatever. But you know, to get something that's extraordinary, I'm convinced it has to be led by someone who wants it more than anything to see themselves. Another thing that seems to be something that you wanted to see more than anything else was the return of the submarines in Disneyland. I mean, you were heavily involved in the Finding Nemo submarine adventure, which I must say I just rode for the first time a couple weeks ago when I was at Disneyland for the World of Color. And I also have a very strong memory of going to Disneyland, riding the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction, and was very disappointed when they took that out. Exactly. No, see, to me, part of the magic of Disneyland is the diversity of the things you can do at Disneyland. It defies all other places you can go on the planet. And so to think about visiting with the President of the United States, going underwater, riding a flying elephant, and then taking a boat into the jungle or meeting pirates, the broader that is, the more extraordinary the product is. So when you take out something as totally unique as going underwater in a submarine, you know, people have very little opportunity to do that, and it's very expensive to get to the Bahamas or Hawaii and spend $100 to go on a ride like that for real. So at Disneyland, it was offered up as one of the many things you could do in a fully immersive day of adventures. And when it was gone, I said Disneyland became major smaller today. And, uh, yeah, I, it was, I think, in the late 90s that it left, and it was closed for about nine years before we reopened with Nemo. And uh, all of that journey, I remember saying, I, was, I constantly had that thing in the back of my head, what is going to pop? that will be the thing that I can get by in all these other votes. Because you have finance, you have marketing, you have all these people that have got to vote. And as long as it's just bringing back the old submarine, I'm not going to win. But as soon as you know, we went through Atlantis and Treasure Planet, hoping there'd be something. And then finally when Nemo, Finding Nemo, came out and captured the world, this little personality of this fish, I said, there it is. I'm going to get my submarine voyage for the older generation is going to be filled with fresh new emotional content for kids and it's been a hit it seems like pixar actually has a very big place in the park could you talk a little bit about the relationship between pixar and disney and imagineering because it seems like it wasn't too long ago where that relationship was not so close and when bob Iger came in he kind of really solidified that relationship yeah, I mean, the Disney Company's had great moments and 
in difficult moments in terms of management structures and whatnot. And there was a rift that was developing between Pixar and uh, the, the studio uh, that wasn't healthy. And uh, I think when Bob came in, he realized that one of the key creative talents to keeping the health of Disney was John Lasseter and the Pixar Brain Trust. And they do things in a very childlike way. The last time I was up there, they were still in production on... Uh, Toy Story 3, and the, the unit that was working on it had taken the whole center area around all the offices and made a nursery school of functional with all the toys, all the stuff. And uh, I guess certain employees that had small children were encouraged to bring their kids in there. And so they were immersed in what it was they were creating. And so there's a very different dynamic at Pixar that's very healthy. So Bob saw, yes, it's going to be outrageously you know difficult to merge them in another company but it's critical from not a financial standpoint but uh, a creative health so really when john came and there are others like pete doctor who are absolutely obsessed with disneyland and you know i think john actually put it into his contract that not only would he take on the film responsibilities of animation at Disney and animation at Pixar, but that he had to have his hand in Imagineering as a chief advisor. And uh, it's purely out of that 12-year-old, I think, mentality that John has to this day of what Disneyland meant to him growing up in Whittier. He was only about as far away from the park as I was in those visits. And when I first met John... He was very cordial and overly nice to me, and I couldn't figure, like, what, what is this about? I should be, go, you know, agog at you, but it was kind of the opposite. And it turned out he was a ride operator at Disneyland in the jungle and had come over and snuck through the fence while I was building Big Thunder. And uh, this would happen all the time, so I don't remember it, whereas for him it was one of those milestone days. And I guess I was there, and I... Uh, I, he said, well, you know, can, you have a very cool job. I would, I, how did you get this job? And I said, oh, come on, I'll walk you through the whole ride. And I gave him this tour and talked to him about Imagineering. And, you know, like anybody that was young and wondering what their future is going to be, it was something that was really important to him. And I had had the same thing happen to me with Claude uh, Coates. Uh, I had snuck into the pirate ride when I was scooping ice cream at Disneyland, peeked around the corner, and they were doing the work. And I thought I was going to get arrested. And I instead heard this voice say, oh, you can't see anything good from there. Come on over here, you know. And it was this guy who was delighted in showing it off, you know. And it was, turned out it was Claude. But it was always, to me, just this guy. Years later, after I'd been working with him for three years, I opened my old souvenir book from Pirates. And I looked at this guy, the picture that was in there, and I went, oh, my gosh, that's Claude. It was Claude. That, so I could hardly wait to go in the next day, and I go, do you remember a guy in a red and white striped, you know, and he goes, yeah, yeah, the guy at the ice cream counter. I used to go over and get ice cream from him, and I thought I'd show him the tour. And, I, and then he, it was, as he was saying, he goes, no, you know, you know and it, we, it suddenly dawned on, you know, that we'd met in that different way, and he had so inspired me with that tour. When they docked me for the hour that I was late, I said, I don't care. I had just had the best hour of my career so far. <laughs> It was priceless. You couldn't couldn't pay for that anyway. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with our audience about what's going on at Walt Disney Imagineering? Things that may be coming up? Oh, it's, you know, the exciting thing about Imagineering is, as Walt said, Disneyland and everything Disney will never be completed. And uh, the technologies just keep giving us new windows. It's almost uh, 
overwhelming how many abilities that you have and uh, you know to at your fingertips to try out new things and so we've got our hands in about five exciting new means of telling story that uh, intrigue me because it allows you to do things you couldn't do in one of the previous media and uh, then it all becomes fresh again when you can do things that weren't possible uh, then you suddenly go oh I can do this I can do this and then so it's fresh it's somebody asked today what happens when you hit a brick wall and I think I was thinking about that after because you have to talk on your feet at one of those Q&A's. But I thought afterwards, the wonderful thing is when a new door gets unlocked, then all of those boxes that you get trapped in, kind of the lids pop open and you've got a whole new world to play in. Well, that's great. This has been David Parfit, senior correspondent for the Diz Unplugged, talking with Tony Baxter, idea guy for Walt Disney Imagineering and Disneyland. Thanks again for taking the time we talk about And big Disney fan, might add, too. Thanks for listening. Well, Dave, thank you very much for that. Great interview. Talk about finding the right person for the right job. Yeah. I think Dave's going to run out of people soon. Yeah, really. <laughs> no, Dave will never run out of because Dave will no. talk to anyone. That's true. Dave will call anyone. You have no idea some of the phone calls Dave has made. And they all tell him yes. Well, not all of them. He's been told no a couple of times. But, you know. Julie Andrews was not going to talk to him. <laughs> um, but he's, you know, he, he, yeah, he's uh, been such... I, I love these. I love these interviews. I love these interviews that he's doing. I think he's really... Uh, and, you know, for somebody like Tony Baxter to sit down and take time to talk to him, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, we found that a lot of these folks are really generous uh, with their time. And uh, so that's great. Well, thank you very much for that, Dave and Tony. And finally, we get to the point where we talk a little bit about the rant I pulled out of the show last week. Can we take a bathroom break? If it's going to be 40 minutes. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Actually, I want to have a a civil discussion. It's not going to be a rant for those of you who are... uh, A discussion like, are we part of this? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm going to have a discussion amongst my personalities. I was here for last week's, and it wasn't a discussion. No. No, my rants rarely are. Um, but uh, as most of you have surmised, uh, who or at least who are on the boards, my my rant last week that didn't make it into the show was about the grand opening, quote unquote, of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and Universal's, in my opinion, abject failure in preparing for the crowds that. Uh, they got and not only failing to prepare for the crowds but failing to step up and take care of the complaints that were coming in as a result Um, having had three years to plan for this having had three years to research or hire or find the best people you could find to learn how to effectively manage your crowds. In my opinion, it was just completely ignored. Completely and utterly ignored. And there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for what went on two weeks ago at Universal. Eight-hour waits just to get into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Not to get on a ride, but just to get into the area. Now, that has since calmed down. Uh, it is not 
those 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 crowds are not uh, you know are not consistent. It's still very busy, and uh, there's actually been an app for the iPhone that I've been using to kind of keep track of the uh, <coughs> the wait times. It's a universal guide. Uh, it's not a universal app, but somehow they're getting the actual wait times from the attractions in real time at Universal. It's a very cool app. We'll have a link to it on the show notes page. But, uh, for example, we're right, right now it's 4 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, and wait time for Forbidden Journey is an hour and 30 minutes, which I don't think is 90 minutes is not no. unreasonable. 20 minutes for Flight of the Hippogriff, 20 minutes for Dragon Challenge. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the rest of the park, 30 minutes for uh, the Cat in the Hat. Nothing is uh, 50 minutes for Spider-Man. So it's not, you know, the weights aren't crazy uh, at this point. Now, on the weekends, it's certainly pretty bad. But I, I got really angry at not just the fact that Universal hadn't prepared for these crowds. There just has been, in my opinion, over the last few months in particular, there has been almost a serialized behavior on the part of Universal to absolutely show no concern whatsoever for the guest experience. I noticed it with the way they released the packages. We, uh, when they released the Harry Potter packages earlier this year, we talked about it on the show that they were making some really bad decisions. They were really upsetting a lot of people. Um, there was a lot of miscommunication going on inside Universal with the travel partners, with the community. Um, you would talk to one person and get one story. You talk to another person and get another story. Uh, then uh, when we went for the for May twenty eighth for the uh, first of the packages to be open. Uh, the first of the uh, Harry Potter packages that arrived uh, started May 28th, and that was another example, uh, which we talked about on the last Universal uh, last Universal show. It's another example of them not having any idea what they're doing. Team members not knowing that people were even getting into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter that day. Not communicating to us, those of us who have bought, had bought the package, that we were only going to get two hours. We were expecting to be able to be in there for the entire day. Uh, getting hundreds and hundreds of complaints on that and doing absolutely nothing to either change it or uh, do something to make the guests happy, to placate them. These people had spent all this money. Guest services was basically, uh, their hands were tied. They weren't given, they weren't given the, the leeway to make guests happy. And then you had the, you know, the ultimate, I can't use the expression I want to use without getting an explicit rating on, but it starts with cluster, um, on, on June 18th. With this ridiculous crowd, they allowed to form. And I think they just wanted the press showing all those people. I think that's, and, and I think, again, the, the guest experience goes out the window so that they can have, you know, a video of all these people waiting to get in. I don't know. I think one of the reasons 
Forbidden Journeys an hour and a half today is because everybody saw that and said, I'm not going there. I think they managed to do what I didn't think was possible and turn people off because of their ineptitude in managing expectations, in managing the public relations. And let's talk about the PR just a little bit. Just a hair. Let's talk about the incompetence that is on display for everyone to witness with universal PR. How many times have we heard Harry Potter theme park? Constantly. And that's their doing. It's their own TV show. Their own TV show, no less. On NBC, they had this. Their special on NBC about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter kept calling it a theme park. So the excuse that, oh, you know, we were using that in our marketing and we tried to pull away from it, but it was out there. Well, no. You actually put it on television yourself. So, no. Shut up. Shut up. Just stop it. You wanted people to think this was a theme park. There is, to some degree, in my opinion, an intentional effort on the part of Universal to deceive people about this. This is not a theme park, folks. This is barely a land. It's the smallest island, the violence of adventure. It is. You've got to keep that in mind. And I think it's... Look, don't get me wrong. Harry Potter, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, really cool place. You should absolutely go and visit it. I'm not saying that it stinks or it's lousy. I think there's a lot more they could do with it. But, you know, time is on their side. They can add to it. They can enhance it. Hopefully, they'll do that. This isn't about that. This is about Universal just falling asleep at the switch, about not managing this correctly, about just doing what Universal does. You know, I've said, if anybody, I've said it many times, if anybody can screw this up, it's Universal. And you know what? In my opinions, in my opinion, on many levels, they already have. They already have. And it's too bad. It's too bad Disney didn't get this. Because while I have problems with Disney on a lot of levels, Disney would not have screwed this up the way Universal did. You, Disney would, have, would not have allowed this to be as overhyped as Universal did. I mean, it was just obvious they had never come upon anything like this before, and they had no idea what to do with it. So they just overhyped it and overhyped it because the only thing they were concerned about were getting people into the parks. So now this is the calm version of the of the meltdown I had last week. Um, but let's talk about this a little bit. Um, what are you hearing about Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Well, we saw the crowds. We saw the stuff on the internet. We heard the first-hand reports from Aaron, who was there, who told us stuff was going on. And I mentioned this before. One of the biggest problems I have is is the weird bias our local news has for this product. No, oh, it's all about access. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about it's access. Our local news is all access journalism. I mean, they were saying, literally saying things about how great it was and how much fun people were having, and there was n- there was no talk on the news about the huge crowds. And we're and, and we're specifying TV news here. TV news. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I have to tell you, I heard how wonderful everything was going. Until somebody sent a helicopter over to show us those aerial shots. And it wasn't until it was those the Orlando aer- Sentinel who right. did that. But th- those aerial shots hit, and everybody went, holy moly. 
I the things I've heard is I've gone to Disney events where you had to wait outside what used to be the Millennium Village for 15 minutes, and Disney has a table set up with um, urns of ice water. There was no water available to these people standing in line in a 100-degree day with 89% humidity. A lot of cases of heat stroke. Um, Disney would have had misters out there. And what a marketing opportunity to sell bottled water. You could have made a million dollars selling bottled water to the people standing in line well, for eight you, hours. And, and yes, you're absolutely right. You could have if, if you'd had, wait for it, a plan. Right. <laughs> if... The thought had entered your puerile mind. What will the guest experience be like during this opening weekend? How can we make sure we don't, again, I can't use the expression I want to use. How can we make sure we don't screw this up so badly that we send hundreds or thousands of people out of this park swearing never to come back again? There's more to it. They had people, there were so many people. Um, if you're not familiar with the layout of uh, the downtown Disney and the lake area in front of the two parks, they had people line up from the gates of... Uh, you're talking about City Walk. City yeah. Walk, I'm sorry. Uh, they had people line up from Islands of Adventure down in front of NBA City and Hard Rock Live back to the studio gates. Then they started another line over in front of Jimmy Buffett and wrapped it around that side of the lake. Those were the people who came later. They were both allowed to enter the park. They, they opened both gates at the same time. I would, I would be furious. We also heard that they told people to go around and stand by the entrance to Lost Continent. So you went through Seuss Landing, and that's where you were supposed to wait. We were then told that huge numbers of people were told, you went to the wrong side. Now, these are people that were the first people in the park. And, and this is so believable because there is so much miscommunication. The right hand at Universal does not know what the left one is doing. Right. So they sent them. Then they had to walk around the park and get in line behind the people who came in the park after them. And were again told, you now have an eight-hour wait. Uh, talk about miscommunication. The folks who were staying at the hotels were called on June 18th and told that they were going to be allowed access at 6 a.m. Again, we had Aaron and his family who were in Portofino Bay Resort. That morning, they went to go and they were met by uh, hotel management, not universal management or Islands of Adventure management, hotel management who said, listen, they've changed their mind and now you don't get until 8. Yep. <sighs> and this is, the, this is how you treat your, your resort guests. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I would be really annoyed that I missed two hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, that was you know that was the thing that really bothered uh, us Every when day. we were there for the package on May twenty eighth. That in order to see Harry Potter, on you know now granted we live here so it's not like quote unquote vacation, but I'm still staying at a resort. I'm you know whatever. Yeah. I resented that if I wanted to get into Harry Potter, I had to get up at five o'clock every morning. That would annoy me. Okay, mm-hmm. I resented that. I resented that this company, this company, felt perfectly fine in doing that. And that, again, another example, they just didn't care about the guest experience. So, okay, let's ex- let's just say for the uh, uh, for that first weekend of these packages, they weren't prepared. <coughs> they kept doing it. You know, what moving they, forward, they kept doing the how same thing. How could you thing not be prepared? Because, because he, he, you have to go one of two ways. Absolute, utter, complete, and total incompetence or they simply don't care. 
that it's simply in the in terms of the uh, the list of things that matter to Universal Orlando, guest satisfaction and guest experience, where, where Harry Potter is concerned, at least very low on the list. And I think because and we've seen we've seen it to some degree with Disney, not not this uh, 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 not like this. But we've talked about Disney's arrogance before. We have a product that's fantastic that everybody wants to see, and we're going to charge a lot of money and give you less, um, or, or things like that. Now, what Universal, my the attitude I'm getting is we have Harry Potter, and people are going to show up, so we don't have to mm-hmm. go out of our way, and we don't have to do anything special. Uh, we can, you know, we're Universal, and we have Harry Potter. You know, and it's like... Um, it's like the really poor person who hits the lottery and doesn't know how to manage the money. How many times have we heard this story? Some, some, some guy who you know lived hand to mouth all his life hits the lottery. I think of the jerk, and, and the jerk. in a year, all his money's gone. <laughs> you know, five years later, right. all that money is gone. Um, that is what is happening. That is what is happening to Universal. Disney seems to. And I, I apologize for comparing the two. Disney seems to understand that they're building brand loyalty. They understand that this is a generational thing. If you have a wonderful time as a parent, you're going to bring your kids. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to bring your grandkids. And if you're lucky enough, you're going to bring great-grandkids. I, I don't see that here. I well, don't see that this, sort of... This is the difference in many regards between Universal and Disney. And why, in my opinion, Universal will always be. The redheaded bastard stepchild of Orlando theme parks, well, Pete, that, because, that, oh, because they do not have they do not have a thought about their long term. Then again, they change management like most of us change underwear, so that's another problem. They have no consistency in their leadership. They have no consistency. I was going to just say that they have this split personality where they don't want to be Disney. We're not Disney. We don't do the same things Disney does. We don't do the same ways Disney does. But at the same time, they want to be Disney. Sure. So you can't. They mar- want Disney success. Right. They, you can't marry those two philosophies. Either you're going to be rogue and you're going to do things your own way and you're going to deal with the success level you have, or you're going to follow Disney's business model and bring in all those people, but you're going to have a way to manage it and control you know, it and work it. The, the, t- the, 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 the times where it's unfair. To compare Universal to Disney is when you're comparing theme park to theme park attraction to attraction. Different uh, different creative models uh, for a Disney theme park and a Universal theme park. So they're really and truly, it, it, those things would be an unfair comparison. But in terms of managing a theme park, in terms of managing crowds, in terms of managing uh, the opening of a new attraction or a new land or a new theme park for that matter, those things are fair game for comparison. I have to jump in here for just a second and tell you, we pre-ordered iPhones, and we went to Millennium Mall. Good point. And we were we got outside the mall, and there were 150 people. We thought this isn't bad. While we were standing outside, an Apple employee came around and handed out apple juice and cereal bars. They then let us in in small groups of about 30 or 40 people, and as you got to your next, you were the next group to go in, there was a person there explaining that there were already eight to 900 people in the mall 
ahead of you, that they were going to do things as fast as they could, but they were hoping that people would get to know each other and hold each other's places in line if you had to use the restroom. Mm -hmm. Apple management and mall management walked the line giving everybody a sticker to go to Starbucks and get a coffee. On them, they broke the line up into segments so that in areas of the mall where there was a lot of through traffic, that the line didn't impede the traffic coming in and out of the mall so that other people could get into other stores in the mall. It was the best managed line, and it was 900 people. And they had three months to come up with the plan. From the time that Steve Jobs announced the iPhone 4 to the time that it actually hit the market. Right? It was about three months. Um, Universal had three years. We actually stopped and complimented the mall management. We explained to them that we weren't going to wait 8 to 10 hours for a phone, but that we complimented them on how well and how organized and how polite their their staff was, the security staff, how they took into account that it was a really hot day outside, and even though it was going to slow down traffic in the mall, that everybody should be under air conditioning. Now, I realize that they don't have those options when you're going to a theme park, but the idea that there were managers out there managing people's expectations of the line. Right. Um, Stan telling us that we, we were the perfect example. It's an 8 to 10 hour wait from here, and we decided this is silly. I think Universal has managed to scare off people um, that want to go to uh, to see The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I'm speaking from, from locals yes, that we talk to. You know, of course they don't want to go during the summer because it's hot, but we're not, we're hearing... You know, they don't want to go in August. They're not. They don't plan on going until January or next year, right? Or the year after. Well, that's the suggestion I'm making to people. Is uh, I, I'm certainly not suggesting you don't go see Wizarding World of Harry Potter. You should, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan. Um, and again, the discussion about what needs to be done or what 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 they what they missed in terms of the Wizarding World or uh, what they did right. Uh, Fair, fair game, fair discussion, but that's not this point. The point here is how is it possible that their management could have fallen down on the job so badly with the opening of this? And the only thing I can come back to when I think about this is that it just simply wasn't a priority. Managing the crowds wasn't a priority. How many people can we get through that turnstile? And once they're in, once they've bought their ticket and they're in, that's all we care about. I wonder how many people who went through opening weekend swore they would never go back to Universal. I bet you there are thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Because eight to ten hours and didn't get inside the the area? Because they were talking about a six-hour line at guest services for complaints. Right. So I will guarantee you if there's a six-hour line for guest services, you've got thousands of people. Mm Mm-hmm. That you know, not to mention the number of people who were being turned away because they're you know they they got caught by Fat Patrol and were too fat to ride uh, a Forbidden Journey. We found out the there, aptly named Forbidden Journey. There was um, a story on the, the the TV about a woman who um, fainted in the heat, and she explained that she was taken backstage, and there were um, several groups of uh, paramedics backstage and they ever all of them were busy and that people were dropping like flies is the words that she said they were using she went to guest services to complain that she never got into harry potter and this was my favorite thing they gave her a couple of fast passes for other rides not harry potter and a free stroller rental yeah yep that's yeah exactly and what i really love are the people on our boards and on other sites the universal apologists as i call them that blame the people and I've heard 
the, expre- the, 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 the phrase used, well, what did they expect? They expected a theme park. Okay? Not a closet. A theme park. Because that's what Universal has been telling them for three years that they were building. The theme park within a theme park. Well, I'm sorry. When you tell me something is a theme park, I'm thinking a couple of hundred acres. Not 20. I'm expecting there'll be a two or three, maybe a four-hour wait for the big attraction. I'm not expecting there's going to be an eight-hour wait just to get into the land. So to blame the people who showed up, like how dare you complain, is absolutely asinine. The blame belongs on Universal for failing to manage the hype, for failing to manage the crowds, and for screwing up the grand opening of one of the best intellectual properties to land in a theme park anywhere in the world in a very long time. Only Universal could have screwed it up like this. I'm telling you, Six Flags would have done a better job. Six Flags would have been a, done a better job, and the people responsible for that grand opening, for the people responsible for the decisions that have been made since early this year regarding the rollout of this product, should be fired, in my opinion. They should not have jobs not doing this. I'm sure that the local Wendy's or the local McDonald's could stand a good fry captain or a good grill, don't a good come, grill person. Don't come to mind. I don't want to eat hours for a Big Mac. I think from now on they ought to hire the staff at Millennium Mall and Apple to run this. Well, but you know what? At the at the end of the day, this isn't rocket scientists. In rocket science, this isn't. I had to go to line management school. But no, but you know it's what? But it is sense. Well, no, no, it is crowd management, group management like that is a science. Is that an accredited program? <laughs> it is. It's, look, you know, you take a look. Look, you got to figure. Tens of thousands of people showed up. That requires a plan. That requires, that requires you know, look, you can go, to, you, you can hire a consultant from the NYPD. They manage a million plus people in Times Square every, every New Year's Eve and manage to make it work. And make them all go through security before they get there. Exactly. So it can be done. It does require experience. It does require knowledge. It does require some, I don't know, education. Of some kind. There has to be a contingency for every you, possible emergency. You planned for that stuff, and they didn't. They simply didn't, and it was obvious they didn't. And shame on them for it. I think that ultimately is the message of this. Shame on you. You really, really screwed the pooch on this one. And I hope you do better moving forward. I hope you do better with this moving forward, because the, the brand of Harry Potter deserves much better than the half-assed, incompetent job you have done so far. Uh, I love Universal. I have loved Universal for a very long time. They have really turned me off these last few months. The way they've handled Harry Potter has really turned me off. Hey, Will, you ready to go tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> we so, are, we're going tomorrow. So that is, that, 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 that in, a, in a nutshell, was the rant I was screaming for 40 minutes into the microphone last week. I thought this was a, a much more common. Good job. And it was a discussion this week. It was a discussion, Except yes. Except for I, the very end, we got a lot colorful. That was nothing compared to last week. What are you talking about? <laughs> this was... 
poetry compared to last <laughs> week. <laughs> Shakespeare. I don't, did not hear... M- Alas, m- it was Shakespeare. <laughs> I did not hear mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging morons once this week. <laughs> Screw the pooch. Would you mind if I gave a quick update on our children? I had people asking. Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I just wanted to let everyone know that Ferris and Finley are doing great. Finley's three months now. She's rolling over every which way she can go. I'm excited. She likes moving around and reaching and grabbing, and she's paying attention to her brother, who she loves very much and smiles at constantly. <laughs> we got to see her at the um, meet this Saturday, and she's absolutely beautiful. And Julie had little, tiny, strappy silver diva shoes on her. <laughs> <laughs> They're little sandals. They go with everything. <laughs> but um, she has moved into Ferris's room, so it is officially their room, and they are sleeping together very well. Um, Ferris is now almost 18 months old, which is amazing to me. And he looks so good. He He's he such grew. a cute little boy. Have you um, seen the preview for the, the, the movie Grown Ups where they, the woman says he's 48 months old? <laughs> and Chris Rock goes, that's four! <laughs> but um, he's crawling on hands and knees. He's cruising around the furniture. He crawls around after Corey saying, da, 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 da. Oh. Um, yeah. And Mama and yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loves dancing to Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. I saw this. <laughs> yeah. Corey and I were doing FaceTime on our iPhones uh, the other day. And uh, he showed me this. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's oh, so cute. I'm going to have to record it and put it on This kid just lights up. The minute he put Lady Gaga on, the kid just he lit He sings. Up. He goes, oh, the beginning of the song. <laughs> That's the part he sings. And she does all these little baby sounds, you know, ga ga ra ra la la. So I'm like, this is kind of good speech mm-hmm. therapy. Exactly, <laughs> with the exception of a few words in the song. Yeah, I didn't know what they were saying. Those are the ones you're gonna learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I'm hoping to get him in swimming lessons this summer, and we have lots of other things lined up because he's terribly shy around um, other people and other children. So I'm really trying to break him out of that little shell, but, um, Corey and I were both really shy children. So maybe it's inherited. I don't know. He doesn't like dolls either. We found out the other day. Yeah. yeah Teresa brought over a creepy doll. Oh, <laughs> I'm fine. If he doesn't want to play with dolls, what was it? Thanks. Was it Thanksgiving? It, it was the same doll. Was it Thanksgiving? She yeah. brought, Bella. she brought Bella. Bella over, right? And, she just she like put Bella in the middle of my dining room. There was like nothing else around, just this doll, this three foot doll, with those little there clicky eyes. With and I'm like, ew, it's like Chucky. <laughs> he was pushing her away, like almost punching her. But every time, what was funny at Thanksgiving, Pete would leave the room and she'd go in and move the doll just slightly. So when he come back, <laughs> she would like, move to yeah. <laughs> No, it's twisted. The doll is twisted. <laughs> You got it for us. So. We ought to keep our eye on Stella. Well, you told me that's what she wanted. I'm not buying her any more of them. She loves it. Those creepy dolls. These American girl dolls. But so. thank you for asking about our children and for missing me, and I'm glad to be back. And um, hopefully I can I'll, – I'll put an update on the, the boards for you guys a, a little more in-depth about what's going on. So Great. Great. Well, we are thrilled to have you back. It's not the same without you. As Kevin says, our powers are diminished when one of us is gone. <laughs> We're like the Power Rangers. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and that will do it for this week's show, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening, and remember, stay out of Universal for a while. <laughs>